As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sifpop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, we think baseball bats are best used to hit baseballs. It's Sifpop. I get cold chills every single time I think about it. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later in the show. Welcome to Sifpop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks YouTube. Ahoy! Every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Today's guru from Jogwheel, it's John Paula. We got him! Hello. Hello. How you been, man? It's been a while. I'm I am well. I feel a bit disingenuous answering that question again since we've just spent the last half hour catching up. But I am swell, Aaron. I am the the fall season is such a great time for TV shows that I basically put away all my Blu-rays and all my movies and I just kind of focus on all the pilots for a couple weeks and there yeah. have been a few really good ones and a couple of stinkers and I'm excited to get chatting with uh, you and Andrew all about them. Yeah, we're going to chat uh, fall television, some of the shows that we're enjoying, kind of review them together. Uh, I think it's a perfect time to do it because I really feel like with television, you have to give it three or four episodes before you can really talk about it. Mm-hmm. So we're nice in that sweet spot right now where we've you know seen TV uh, in that way. We're also going to touch on the Walking Dead premiere. Um, I don't know that we will spoil it, spoil it, although if you don't know the spoilers i'm kind of surprised because they're really hard to avoid um and then we're going to move in past that into when do you decide to not watch a show and just as a little spoiler of my own uh that's what happened with me in the walking dead with the season premiere i'm done with the walking dead now so we'll talk a little bit about that why you decide on those kind of things this season premiere yes that 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 was it for me i cannot wait i'm i'm out so we'll we'll chat a little bit about that together and and kind of how that happens, like when you give up on a show, why you give up on a show, that kind of stuff should be a fun conversation um, throughout. I did want to do something right off the bat, even before we get to Do We Care, because we'll play some Do We Care here 
shortly. And also, I forgot to mention, we'll do buried treasure at the end, as we always do. I have a gift for Andrew that I <gasps> wanted to actually give him on on the podcast proper. I will let what? you. This this is screener season for me, so the studios, because I vote in the Critics' Choice Awards, will send me stuff, you know, based on movies. So. I don't often give away T-shirts, but I can't imagine myself ever wearing this one. So I'm getting plus, your trash. Plus, it doesn't it doesn't fit me. So <laughs> oh. I just want to make it very clear that I'm not being nice. It's just you know I have to give it to you because I can't use it. Uh, but anyways, here you go. I'll let you open so, that up and and say what it is. So it's a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And I'm colorblind. Is it navy blue? I think it's navy. Yeah, okay. I think it's navy. So let's open this up. See what we got here. Uh-huh. Did I get uh-huh. the same thing you got? Is a T-shirt. <laughs> Oh my goodness, it is a Sausage Party t-shirt. If you want to vote Republican Party, Democratic Party, or the Sausage Party, yep. and it's a whole bunch of uh, uh, hot dogs dancing, drinking, and throwing money around. There you go. You know what it kind of reminds Wonderful. me of? It reminds me of the uh, the raisinette, the dancing raisinettes. <laughs> it kind of has that kind of art style to it. I love it. Yeah, uh, thankfully we never got a movie where the Raisinets did what, what they the did. things that happened in <laughs> Sausage Party. Wow. Speaking of things that I will never forget. No, that's uh, burning your mind. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Yeah, that's all yours, man. Aww, you got that. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, uh, on to Do We Care, where Andrew will throw some pop culture headlines at us, and John and I will say whether we care enough to talk more about them. What do you got? As always, three Do We Care news topics of the week. First one up. NBC is in talks to revive the hit comedy Will and Grace. Do we care? Oh, no, no. I don't. Nope. All <laughs> no, right. No. It's a, you know, hard it's no. a first. We're moving on. I didn't care. I didn't care either, but I knew it was a popular show. So it was bring very it popular. I just never really understood. It yeah. just wasn't my thing. Like, I, and I'm, I've kind of transitioned from being a you know typical sitcom person loving like Cosby Show and Family Ties and those kind of things to I just can't. I can't handle typical. You know. What are they called? Two camera sitcoms or three camera sitcoms or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. I just can't handle multi-cam. them. Yeah, multi-cams with laugh tracks are just hard for me to swallow. All right. Number two, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Colin Firth, and Emily Bunt, Blunt sorry, have all signed up for Disney's upcoming sequel film, Mary Poppins Returns, due in theaters Christmas 2018. Wow. Lin-Manuel Miranda is not only starring in it, but he's doing all the music Of course well. he is. He's because, the guy behind Hamilton, right? Yeah. So, by the way, I saw him on Saturday Night Live. Not sure if either of you still watch SNL. Nope. His SNL episode was, was really good. I really enjoyed his SNL. Was episode. it a recent this, one? This or? entire season has actually been excellent. I agree with you. I think it's been good. The only, like, uh... I, I, although, to be fair, that's the case of, of any SNL season that coincides with an election year. That's exactly it's what I was going to say. The only episodes I've seen very are, the, strong. are the Alec Baldwin, Trump, and, uh, oh, I'm having a... Brain fart. What's her name? And McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Kate, Kate McKinnon, McKinnon as uh, Hillary. Emmy Award winning. So good. Kate McKinnon. Emmy Award winning Kate McKinnon. Yeah. It's basically become the Kate McKinnon show in many ways. She's in almost every sketch, and I don't blame them. She's so good. Yeah. Mary Poppins returns. Do we care? Yes. No. I do. I, I do I, care. I, I do. I think I'm excited for this. I think they're all really talented. It's the type of movie that is sacred as it is. I feel like a fresh coat of paint might not be a bad idea. Because they just I'm, had I'm the uh, the movie with Tom Hanks uh, not too long ago. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was him, Colin Farrell, and uh, it was about, about the actual the... making of the movie Mary Poppins and how he was trying to get the rights. Saving Mr. Banks. Saving Mr. Banks. How did you... I hated that movie. Did you really? I, I hated it. that movie I thought it was so really much. good. But uh, I was kind of indifferent. <laughs> yeah. Why did you hate that movie? I'm just curious well, uh, before I, we go on. I, I apologize because it 
seems like I just don't know people's names, but the main woman in that movie who he's trying to get the rights from, mm-hmm. her character... Emma yeah, Emma Thompson. Thank you so much. Um, I could not stand her character. It was to the point where I was literally going to leave the theater. Just, wow! And it was, But I didn't, because I've never left a movie. Never walked out on a movie. And I, wow. I have not either. So hated Emma Thompson that much. Yeah. What was the guy um, from... I think he was from Parks and Rec, maybe, or The Office. No, from The Office that was in that movie. He was one of the the writers who played the piano, um, but he was in The Office as well. I can't remember his name. Ed Helms? No, 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 no. Um, I wish I could remember. It's ironic that I can't remember. Is it B.J. Novak? Yes, yes, B.J. Novak. Okay, yeah. So it's ironic that I can't remember his name because the story I'm about to tell was from my very first Critics' Choice Awards. B.J. Novak was there, and he was the first celebrity... Like I came into personal contact with in my you know first official movie critic you know event, mm-hmm. and so I walk up to B.J. Novak and I'm like, man, I love you know what you do in the office. You're great, just kind of you know laying it on. And then I said something along the lines of, um, well, first of all, I didn't remember his name, which is ironic why I can't you know remember his name right now. <laughs> and then and then I said something along the lines of, why are you why are you here? <laughs> it's like, oh my, I goodness. was in a little movie called Saving Mr. Banks. I was like, oh yeah, insert foot and mouth, move on. Yeah. So I've had many of those moments since then. <laughs> I think they're to be expected. Human, I, I I don't know that they're offended by stuff like that. No, I think they're used to it. He was he was really nice about it, and um, yeah. This this last year I mispronounced. Uh, is it Rami or Rami Malik? I mispronounced Rami. <laughs> Rami. Yeah, I miss. I said Rami or something. I said, "Oh, Rami Malik, great to meet you." He's like, "It's Rami." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Now he has a twin brother, so don't mistake him for his brother. No, he doesn't. I swear, yeah, he has a twin. Does brother. Does he really identical twin brother? Wow. Yeah. So maybe his name's Rami. Maybe yeah. it's Rami and Rami Malik. Yeah. Who knows? Number three, the 1998 film The Big Lebowski gave the world some incredible characters, from the dude to the nihilist. Another character that the film gave us was John Turturro's iconic character, Jesus Quintana. Well. That character is getting his own spinoff film entitled Going Places. It should be noted it is directed by John Turturro and it does not have the Coen Brothers blessing as a sequel. Interesting. Yes. Uh, I care about this. Yeah. It's uh, set, pe- I don't know. set photos have I, already I been released. Like the, it's a real the, thing. The ship of opportunity on that series, I think, passed a good decade ago. I, I, I know that it's still big with memes on Reddit. But The Big Lombowski was a fun 90s movie that I don't know that needs any revisiting. Well, and while I really like Totoro, I, I don't know if he can carry a show all by himself. I feel like he's well, I don't know about that. As like, he, he's good as a foil. He was great. I as, literally just in, finished uh, The Night Of. The yeah, other Night day. Of. He was great in Night Of, I just I finished it uh, a couple days ago. Uh, Maybe I need to watch that then. Yeah, I, I really yeah, liked his performance in that. Night Of, by the way, is a show that starts incredibly. Like, I thought it was going to be one of the best shows of all time and then just kind of kind of faded to the end for me but no, um, me i like how it switched up and it became a uh a a, a tone piece on the american justice mm-hmm. system and in particular uh the american prison system is yeah. what that show turned into and i really enjoyed that yeah it just it it wasn't what i thought it was going to be which that's fine it can be whatever it wants to be but i ended up not liking it as much as i thought i would which isn't to say i didn't like it because i actually did yeah going um, places yeah, here's here's the thing. I think you're absolutely right, John. Uh, I think, and in fact, what I was going to say is the reason I care about this is because I think it's a bad idea. Not only that, I think The Big Lebowski is an overrated film. I think it's one of those. I agree. If you watch again, it's. I don't think it's one of the Coen Brothers' better movies, and a lot of people really swear by it. And I think there's like fond memories from you know just the quotable lines, those kind of things, but. 
I don't know that, that, that that's a great movie, and I'm, I'm not sure it deserves a sequel. Add to that the fact that the Coen brothers aren't even giving it their blessing, so they're, they're directly yeah. saying, we're not involved in this, and it really throws the red flags up for me. Yeah. Um, I disagree on the fact that it's not one of the greatest films of all time. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Nice. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen it. It is, for me, John Goodman's greatest performance ever. Really? Ever. Did you see Tin Cloverfield Lane? Yeah, it's my, I think, number four or five movie of the year. And that was a phenomenal performance. Yeah, it's I love him two. in that. It's number two right after The Big Lebowski. Interesting. That performance, anyway. But, yep, that's all for the Dewey Cares this week. All right, I'm going to throw a bonus one. Okay. Because this one hits me right in my sweet spot. And I, I wondered if you guys had any had any thoughts on it. Um, they swapped Incredibles 2 in Toy Story 4. Did you see that yesterday? I did. So, Incredibles 2 is coming out next summer. We're getting a new Incredibles movie next summer. It's been what uh, ten years, or it's it's been a hot minute for sure. Yeah, I think it came out twenty or two thousand seven, if I if I remember correctly. So yeah, it's been ten years. Wow, Disney's never waited that long, except for like Mary Poppins. <laughs> well, Pixar is always really careful with their their sequels. It and came out in two thousand and four. Oh wow! It's oh, we're thirteen coming up on years between 13. release dates, which I think is the same amount of time we had between Toy Stories two and three. Was it really? Which yeah. was ninety eight and twenty ten, or something like that. So twenty eleven. Here's my yeah. question for you guys. Okay. Uh, first, are you excited about Incredibles two? And then second, does this concern you about Toy Story four? John, I'll let you yes, go first. No. Yes and no. Okay. So I'm excited for Incredibles 2. It was an amazing... It's one of the best superhero movies ever made. Um, honestly, I don't really... I'm not, I wasn't excited to begin with for Toy Story 4 because I think that they should have ended the franchise with the way they ended number 3 and just left it felt there. like a good ending, at it least. It felt like yeah. a good ending, and I, I'm not saying they can't do it because every single time that Disney in general, I get the feeling, oh, they can't do that. They somehow do it. So, and especially Pixar and Pixar, Marvel, Disney proper, every single one. Star Wars. Star Wars. I'm like, oh, they can't, they're not going to make it work. And then they make it work. So I'm sure it's going to be a good movie, but I just, I wasn't hyped for it to begin with. So is it, it, how crazy is it just with that trifecta, Disney's ownership properties, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars. How crazy is that? That's, I mean, they, they are, just, are printing money. How oh, is that goodness. technically not a monopoly? <laughs> monopoly on billions Government of dollars. Needs to get in there and shut that stuff down. That <laughs> yeah, is, right. they have a, a true. Uh, I think right now, I'm going to double check as we're talking here. They might have uh, all five of the top five movies of uh, 2016. Yeah, so far. Oh, you know what? I just since we didn't have a uh, another do we care besides that one. I just just real quick, do we care? Yes or no on this one. AT&T bought Time Warner. Did they find they finalize that? They finalized, I think it was like something billion it's dollars. Like uh It's scary actually because that that actually legitimately is a monopoly and should be shut down by the government. That is It's crazy. Uh, it's alarming actually at how much power that conglomerate's going to have going forward. It's a complete vertical from production to consumer and it's kind of frightening that there's nobody in between to stop them. Yeah. I'm trying to find the actual amount they bought them for it was it's a lot of money it's like 50 billion dollars something like that like amount of money i will never have okay <laughs> okay 85 billion dollars at&t uh-huh. bought time warner 85 you billion you don't have to get into the billions before it's an amount of money that i will never have like yeah <laughs> you, can, you can stop probably in the hundreds of thousands somewhere yeah that'd probably be me 
Um, somebody asked if Brad Bird is directing Incredibles 2. Yes. Yes. Uh, Brad oh, Bird is back on board. So, um, yeah, that's going to yeah, be I phenomenal. Think Incredibles will be, I think it'll be really solid. I think everyone is involved that was part of the first one, and I think that always bodes really well. The fact that they took a lot of time off doesn't worry me because it's animated, so they can really put the story wherever they need to. And I'm really <laughs> you don't have to worry about Toy Dash looking 4. too grown up. Well, are they right, going to no, get the exactly. same voice actors and stuff? Because, you know, that's a long time for, you know, even those children to grow up, or they're going to have to get different <laughs> voice actors now. That's true. You could There could be some voice issues, possibly, but we'll see. Okay. It'll, it'll be interesting. That's a big reason why the, uh, the Simpsons went with adults way back in 1987. That's true. Yeah. And thank goodness they did, because it's been 30 <laughs> years and they're still going. Yep. God bless you, Nancy Cartwright. Your Bart Simpson yeah, voice right. will live on forever. It's true. You may not know this, uh, but this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network, and it is supported by listeners to the podcast on the network. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash studio DNA. There are bonus episodes that only supporters get. Uh, support starts at three bucks a month. You can hear all of that in your own dedicated supporter podcast feed. So you don't even have to go listen to it at the site every week. It'll pop up right in your podcast player. Uh, in fact, in our bonus episode for this show, um, we chatted about a lot of stuff, uh, including our best ever uh, Ron Howard movies, I think we chatted. We mm-hmm. chatted some trivia on IMAX movies, uh, had some fun conversations there as well. So if you want to hear that and you want to support the podcast network, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash studio DNA and uh, support and get all the bonuses and help make podcasts like Sif Pop continue to happen. Let's talk fall television. Let's go ahead and get into it. So what we're going to do here is talk about some of the fall TV that we've been watching, uh, the new stuff, I should mention, that we're into and want to let people know about. Um, We can chime in uh, with our thoughts on how it's going, whether we think it's been successful, unsuccessful, if we like it, if we don't like it. And um, not every one of us will have seen every one of these shows, but each of us have picked, uh, I think, three shows. That we'll chat about? Yeah. Correctamundo. All right. John, let's start with you, and uh, we'll start with your whichever show you want to start with. All right. Um, Westworld is great, but I'm sure you guys are going to talk about that, so let's skip it. We actually um, had a whole podcast. Yeah, we did it on our whole podcast last week, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there, that's right. I, I, that's why I, I know you talked about it. I just wasn't, there you go. wasn't sure when. Um, but one show I really want to mention, because I don't think it's getting nearly enough attention. Only the pilot is aired. It's an Amazon exclusive. It's a surrealist like dark black comedy slash action series starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, and it's called Jean-Claude Van Johnson, where our title character is himself, but in this particular universe, he's also a secret like action hero for the government. He's a secret agent working for the government that moonlights as a bad B-movie action hero. It is an incredible premise, and the 30-minute pilot on Amazon is a wonderful parody send-up of all of his movies, all of like the cheesy cliches and action films. And Jean-Claude Van Damme, I think, has finally found something he's really good, which is self-deprecating action humor. I watched the pilot. I loved it. It got picked up as a series. I can't wait for the next episodes to go out. Because it was one of those things that uh, Amazon published under the sort of the system of voting, where if enough people vote for the show, then they'll commission the full series. Right, yeah, yeah, And yeah. I watched it, and I watched it fully aware, like, there's no way this is going to reach a mass audience. It's too niche. It's too clever for its own good. This is not the type of thing that would ever get ratings on network television. 
So I didn't really have high hopes I'd ever see an episode two. Uh, but I watched the first one. I really liked it. If you have seen any of Jean-Claude's movies or just a fan of parodies and action films in general, I strongly suggest checking out. It was one of those big surprises that I had not even heard of until I logged into Amazon one day. And I was just like, oh, this is this is a fun treat. So that is my, Very nice. my first I, of three picks. I haven't I haven't seen it. Um, I didn't watch any of the Amazon pilots this year. Uh, I remember there were a couple I was interested in, and that was one of them. And I'm glad to hear... Uh, that you enjoyed it. I think um, the other big one was Goliath with Billy Bob Thornton. I think this, it's not out yet, I don't think. Um, there yeah, were, there I was were three to... new Amazon pilots. I don't know. I think all three of them were picked up, though, which sort of defeats the purpose of the audience <laughs> vote if you just go ahead. Was one of them yeah. a new version of The Tick? Oh, that's out yes, already. Yes, that's right. With, um, with Peter Safanowitz yeah. uh, reprising the role that uh, Patrick Warburton used to do. Yeah, that that was the one I was the most interested in, because I used to love The Tick, but I just haven't had taken, taken the time to go see it. Watched a couple episodes. Is it all right? Uh, I dropped it. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah. All right, what do you got, Andrew? Um, just so everybody knows, the way I went about this, because I haven't picked up three new shows, so I picked one show that I've been stuck with from the beginning, one brand new show, and then one guilty pleasure show. So okay. should I do the okay. new show that I started watching first? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's, let's sure. start with the new stuff. Hugh Laurie's new show, Chance, on Hulu. Okay. It's really good. What do you love about it? So I've always... House is my favorite television show of all time. I've loved Hugh Laurie. I think he's a phenomenal actor. This is... He plays a doctor again in the show, but it's an entirely different role for him. And the fact that it's Hulu gives them the ability to make the show as dark as they want, as violent as they want. It's kind of a crime drama because it's him trying to save somebody from an abusive relationship and just the crazy spiral that it gets in. But the thing that I really like about it, and it kind of did this in Luke Cage as well, it makes the city that it takes place in a character. Because in Luke Cage, Harlem itself was a character. In this show, San Francisco is a character. The beautiful streets with, you know, the hills leading down to the bay and then Alcatraz in the background, the Golden Gate Bridge. You just feel like this whole city is alive. I like it. I like it when a piece of pop culture or a piece of media has a real sense of place. You know, it understands mm-hmm. where it is and how to use that. And I, I love that. I think that's great. Yeah. Performances in the, in the show are phenomenal. Every character is very versatile. There's not one character that's kind of like another one. I'm really enjoying it. There's four epi- three or four episodes that are out right now, and uh, yeah, highly recommend it. If you were cool. on the fence about picking it up, I say uh, bite the bullet and give it a shot. You two have both chosen ones I haven't seen, so that's that's good. I'll have to check those out. Uh, I'm going to start. I, I deliberately wanted to pick something I, I knew that was sort of sort of off the radar, just to give it some. No, spotlight. sure. Um, I'm going to go with mine. I think I'm going to go in order of. Um, how much I, I like them. All three that I chose, I like to varying degrees. I don't hate any of the, actually don't hate any of the new TV I've picked up this year, uh, which is rare. Usually there'll be one or two shows where I'll be like, I'm out, like, you know, after three episodes, but I'm staying with most of these. Um, I should also mention, I'm not going to talk about uh, Black Mirror or Atlanta, uh, even though those are both, uh, well, Black Mirror is not technically new, but it's kind of has a, like new life to it. Yeah, uh, because we've talked about them on the podcast before. I've talked about them much before, and my love for them is is already out there and a part of the official record of the podcast universe. So, gotcha. Uh, I will start with my third, which is Son of Zorn. I am really enjoying Son of Zorn. There is something about 
Jason Sudeikis's voice performance and just kind of the um, oh, I just forgot his name. Uh, the guy from SNL. Uh, that's the Tim husband Meadows. on the yeah, Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. Yeah, Tim Meadows. The way he handles ridicule is so beautiful on this show. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it, and it perfectly fits him as an actor, like how his comic sensibilities. Um, I, I the really pure apathy. Yeah, the- yeah, just like it, like it doesn't even hit him, you yeah. know. And it's just I, I love, I love so much about this show. I think it's really funny, and I kind of like where it's going uh, in to interesting places with even kind of message wise with the family, and you know, kind of. Uh, you know, coming back together and his relationship with his son and and that kind of stuff. So I've I've really enjoyed Son of Zorn. Either of you guys watching that? I'm loving it. I'm glad that you like it too because it has been getting mixed reviews. Has it? Yeah. And uh, I am thoroughly enjoying it. I watch it every single week when it comes out. I think it's great, especially Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. What My about- TiVo overrun for The Simpsons records an extra ten minutes, and since. Zorn has that as its lead in. I've seen the first five minutes of every episode. I'm quite <laughs> and and one of and one of these one of these weeks, I'm going to go back and catch up on it because what I've seen, I've really liked. I just haven't had the time to pick up another show because this year, I think I started with seven or eight pilots last month, and I've seen most of them through each episode so far, and it's it's a commitment. Yeah, it is. <laughs> For sure, yeah. This TV season is for sure, and I, ha- and I still have a couple others on my DVR. I started recording Lethal Weapon, and I have I think five or six episodes taped, but I haven't actually watched a second of it yet. I decided um, I I decided not to watch. I don't think I'm watching any of the based on a previous property shows that are on. Um, I think Frequencies is good, out there. Good for you. Uh, Frequency was the really Exorcist. solid. Though. I watched the pilot, and I really liked it. The Exorcist, which I mean, apparently is like the movie good. Frequency. The show is kind of the same. Yeah, but I'm not. I don't really know that I want the movie frequency in like some sort of weekly format. Yeah. You know, like it's it's feels a little weird to me. Anyway, I'm, your... I'm sort of obsessed with time travel genres. So yeah, that's, yeah, no, that makes that sense. That brings me to my second pick. There you go. Well, I think I'm it's I'm on the clock. Um, so for number two, I will I'll go ahead. Well, actually, I yeah, why not? I, this is not one of my three favorites, but I think it's deserving a mention because of how disappointing i think it is which is the show timeless on nbc it is a an action time travel procedural where our three attractive heroes go back in time every week to a famous event they meet up with famous people from history and they try to stop this other bad time traveler from screwing up the timeline so it's bad it reminds me a lot it reminds me a lot of quantum leap if quantum leap was really bad (laughs) <laughs> and it's 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 frustrating because like I feel like it's a really cool premise, but if you if every single week you go and you meet Hitler or you stop the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, like it's it feels empty when every week is this huge historical event. The episode that airs on Monday is going to be the Alamo, and it's like I kind of just want to see them stopping crime in the past, not stopping giant life altering moments that shape our entire history. Yeah. I feel like when you when you do that every single week, it really sort of diminishes the impact of these dramatic moments if every week they're on the Titanic or stopping the Hindenburg or whatever. Whereas in Quantum Leap, that show worked because it was those like interpersonal moments about someone's individual yeah, exactly. life needing to be a changed. Whereas Timeless takes it on this big macro scale every episode and their show just doesn't have the the 
the it doesn't have the ability, it doesn't have the acting or the writing to pull off those big moments yet. So it feels unearned. When your third episode is about the assassination of Lincoln, it's like you you guys have not earned the right to try and redirect this moment in history as a time travel show. So I, I feel like there's a really cool premise here, and I like the world building they've done and the sort of the design and the rules that they've created and watching them come back into the present at the end of every episode where they discuss like, okay, we did this, this, and this. How is our timeline different? That has some fun moments in it, but as a whole, I just really wish the show was better than it is. Mm-hmm. What was the show that was about the guy who would travel in time that was just a few years ago that I really loved that got canceled? Um, Journeyman? Journeyman. I thought that was a I great time. I loved it. Yeah. Never heard of it. Excellent. That that was like a modern day quantum leap where, again, it was sort of within his own exactly. lifetime. And he was sort of changing smaller moments. I And the acting and the writing, that was excellent, which I can't say the same for Timeless. But Journeyman only made it to... 13 episodes before that got canned, also on NBC. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I was sad that one went away. So I'm, I'm glad to hear. I haven't been watching Timeless. I'm glad to hear you say it's not worth it because then I don't have to ever watch it. So that's good. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I think like the pilot had some fun moments. If you like the sort of action time travel elements, it's cool to see yet another take on that formula. But I, I really would not be too disheartened if they, if they didn't make it to a second season. Andrew, what's your uh, number two? Number two, this is going to be the mo- or the show, I should say, that I've been watching since its inception, and it just started its, I think, 11th season, and that's Supernatural. Oh, okay. I have been oh. addicted to that show for a very long time. I don't know why, because it's not like any other show I watch that's, like, good. Because technically <laughs> the show's not good, it's just addictive. <laughs> there is a difference. Right. There is a very big difference. But, uh, yeah, I... Kind of like diet soda or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I I just I've been loving these characters for eleven years, and that's crazy to think. But um, yeah, it just started back up, and here's the main reason why I put this: all of the fall TV shows that I'm super excited for haven't started yet. Like the Grand Tour, which is going to be the um, the Top Gear remake mm-hmm. on Amazon, and um, the Walking Dead technically just started back up, so I didn't sure. put it on my list either. And then we talked about Westworld already. We're going to talk about dropping shows later on, but I'll get into what I was going to say later on. But yeah, Supernatural, loving it. It's It hasn't changed, and I hope it never does. Well, you know, and that's part that could be part of the conversation later, too, when we talk about dropping shows, about sticking with shows that we know aren't great, yeah. but we're just, we love the world and the characters enough that we just want to watch, you know, watch them exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally get that. My number two is Designated Survivor. Um, I was really skeptical. Love it. I was really skeptical of this show uh, before it aired. Um, it's, it's such a big premise that it, I think it takes a lot to pull that premise off. I will say this. I was hooked on the premiere. I think the pilot is really, really good. Uh, well, I think one of the best pilots I've seen in the last five years. I think, it, yeah, it, it's really good. And Kiefer Sutherland is playing a completely different, you know, character than Jack Bauer. So you may go in expecting, okay, you may go in expecting, oh, you know, he's going to be the new president kicking butt, but he isn't. He's timid. He's, it's an interesting look for him, but I think he pulls it off. I will say as the show has gone on, I still, I still like it. Um, I still like watching it. Uh, it, it. I have rolled my eyes a few times at some of the leaps that are just natural to television that happen, you know, whether it be relationships, whether it be, uh, you know, plot, you know, moving forward, having to move forward in a certain way. Um, some of it's a little grandiose for its own good. It is, it is having, 
I think, a little bit of a difficult time keeping its feet in some sort of reality. But here's the thing. Who knows? Maybe that would be reality if something like this happened, you know? So it, right. in, I, for me, I'm enjoying the, the practical, technical aspect of this world, how it would work, things that might happen. I love thinking about that stuff. The overarching mystery of it, I'm not sold on yet. Okay. Um, I don't know that that's the heart of this show for me, and it feels like that's where they want to go eventually. I don't need this show to be lost. I don't need it to solve unanswered questions for me. I want it to show me how a world rebuilds, you know? Okay. That's that's what I like about I, I it. Am, so. I am in 100% agreement. I feel like every moment where it's Kiefer Sutherland dealing with the fallout of like a political wasteland and trying to rebuild the government, those small moments of intimacy between him and his staff and trying to re-navigate, those are super interesting. And Kiefer is fantastic. The writing is really good. But when they go to the macro story and they try to figure out like the terrorist plot, it just feels like watered down 24 without the action. It's just another conspiracy theory. And it just seems all too made for TV. But the stuff with him, the stuff like being president when you don't want to be thrust into that position, it's all really, really interesting stuff. I agree. Well, I was on the fence about watching it because I didn't want another rehashed action president that was Jack Bauer. But hearing what you guys are it's saying... Not, it's not an action show at all. It feels a lot like The West Wing Well, then I'm meets... sold. That's all you needed to say. That's literally <laughs> it's, all you it's, needed it's to the, say. It's, it's The West Wing meets, like... If, if The West Wing took place in the 24 universe, that's what it is. So it's West Wing Jericho. <laughs> yes. Jericho is a Bingo. great example. I think Jericho is a great example of... What I loved about Jericho is what I love about this show. It's a, it's a, you know, an alternate universe that we're not experiencing, but is interesting to think about. In in the same way that we talked, I think uh, about uh, the Man in the High Castle last week a little bit. Yeah, you know, kind of an alternate universe there. What what that show, the mistake that that show made for me, and why I, I you know, I um, didn't enjoy it as much, is the same mistake I'm afraid that this show is going to make. Where it thinks that it's the mystery that's drawing people in when it's really the world. Okay. So, yeah. Well, then you've definitely sold me on that. So, What do you got for your number three there, John? Uh, I was going to say Designated Survivor because that's actually my favorite new show of the season. But I'm glad you mentioned it because I can now talk about The Good Place, also on NBC, uh, starring the beautiful Christian Bell. It is about the, the heaven, this idealized version of heaven. She goes to heaven. She's hanging out with Ted Danson and a bunch of other people. And it turns out she's actually supposed to have gone to hell instead. And it's just a really sort of quirky and and clever single-camera comedy that isn't afraid to make some really funny um, sort of satirical commentary on society through the lens of the afterlife. And I think because they're in this sort of imaginary world, the writers are able to do so many really neat things that you can't pull off on another show – and I'm really enjoying the creativity that that concept is breeding because it's not just like a, a comedy where you have one sort of mean person in an environment with a lot of really nice people. It's also that situation in a sort of make-believe world where anything can happen and how they're going to interpret this has been really interesting to watch unfold. And it's generally, I think most importantly, it's really funny. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's the key. It is hilarious. It is it's, very funny. You, you, uh, and, I, and I love just, they, they're, they're taking like some very, uh, I don't, sensitive might not be the right word, but some sensitive stuff like religion and the afterlife 
and they're approaching it in like a broad, surrealist way that seems to me, generally speaking, pretty inoffensive, but at the same time, it's able to sort of touch upon a few things that are worth talking about. And I really like that they're sort of towing that line really well. Yeah, they, they, this is the, the good place. Um, I, I, the thing about it is, you talk about it being inoffensive. I think that's key to this show. I think the fact that they made it just surrealistic enough that everybody looks at it and goes, oh, I get it. They're not trying to actually tell us what heaven's going to be like. They're right. using it as an environment to tell this story and to make some right. points. And so I think that's to the, to the show's benefit. Um, also, it sounded like you said the beautiful Christian Bale. Yeah, not Kristen <laughs> Bell. Which, which cracks Kristen me up. Bell. But yeah, Kristen Bell is... Christ, I mean, to be fair, Christian Bell's not a bad-looking guy no, either. No, 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 no not right. at all. Not at all. But uh, He hasn't aged. I got to tell you, uh, Kristen Bell is possibly my favorite comedic actress right now because she's, of the show. Her timing is fantastic. Timing she has is something about it. She's great. Insane. Take that, Kate McKinnon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I, yeah, I love The Good Place. And, and, fa- and, and actually, and to be fair, I think Ted Danson might be my favorite part of the show. He's great, too. Uh, especially last... Especially last night's episode, he he plays the sort of he's he's the analog for God in this scenario, but he's the sort of the regional God, like he only oversees a particular neighborhood and not all of the afterlife. Right. But his approach to the character is this sort of otherworldly entity that has never been a human or in corporeal form. So he's really naive and innocent. And like, I think the first episode, he's like, I really want to try a corn dog for the first time. And then he does. And he's like, you know what? It's overrated. And he throws it over his shoulder. And that's the whole bit. But there's something about Ted Danson's portrayal of this sort of fish out of water, clueless, but yet also omnipotent person that has resulted in a lot of really fun moments. And, and he it just you know nails the delivery for sure. I, and I love all the side characters as well. I think they're great. I love the little pop-up, you know, Siri, you know, stand-in um, in this <laughs> Janet. universe. Janet. Janet is amazing. Uh, possibly yeah, my favorite no, there's character. There's a lot of fun little – and that's the kind of thing, the type of character you can't really create in a sci-fi show. You can't really create in a fantasy show. There's It works here because of this. It just does. They just said this is how – these are the rules of our world. People can pop in and out of thin air holding any object they want, and that's how it works. Yeah, I love it, and uh, would encourage anybody to watch it. It's it's certainly makes a lot of sense that I stole your last one, so you stole mine. So I'll have to think another one for uh, for <laughs> yeah. my final one. But Andrew, go ahead. What's your final one? Well, speaking of the good place, that's the show that I was on the fence about, and I was waiting to hear what some people I knew, particularly you two guys, thought about the show. And since you put it on your list as a good show, I'm definitely going to be picking it up now. I think it's worth it. I think and it's, it's short. It's, I mean, it's only 22 minutes a week. Um, I, I that everything else I've picked up. This season has all been hour-long shows. Yeah, so if it's on Hulu, think, then I'm definitely going to pick it up. I think a short comedy is nice. Speaking of Heaven and Hell, now it's time for my Guilty Pleasure show. I've mentioned it, you know, in passing on this show, but Lucifer, it's not, it's a Guilty Pleasure show, and yes, Guilty Pleasure is a term used subjectively depending on who you're talking to, but I am addicted to this show. I don't know why. I think it's the fact that, yes, it's a DC show, and I'm a DC fanatic, but it's Really fun because it's such a quirky version of the devil. You can't help but love him. He is such a fun character to watch. And the fact that he got bored of torturing souls in heavens or in hell, so he moved to L.A. to open up a nightclub. It's a weird premise, but at the same time, he is terrifying. And then five minutes later, he can have you rolling on the floor laughing. Such great acting. And then, yes, it's procedural, so... 
every single week there's you know a new thing for him to do but at the same time there's a backstory here that's actually kind of fascinating and you're curious about where it's going to go they just started season two and um the way they ended the first season was somebody escaped from hell and now he has to go find him and he finds out who it is and it makes the show all the more interesting i don't want to give too much away okay so it's one of those shows people might you know uh you know, pass on just by, by a first glance. Where, like, you know, where could I find new episodes of Lucifer? I watch it on Hulu. It's uh, on Fox. Okay. And uh, yeah, like I said, if you you can burn through the first season pretty quick. And then the way the show ends, the first season, you're like, oh, I got to find out what happens. And so far, I have not been let down by the second season. I think there are three or four episodes in the second season. Very cool. All right. For my final one, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and talk about this. Do you have anybody who you've kind of followed through different channels of pop culture and they do new products or, you know, projects, and you're just like, I love that person, so I want to keep following what they're doing. That's how Bill Simmons is for me. He used to be a writer for ESPN.com, just a sports writer, and I used to love his writing. And then he started doing podcasting, and I really enjoyed, you know, the way he would talk about topics as well. Well, he has a new talk show on HBO. Um, it's great. Called Any Given Wednesday. And it's really, really good. And I'm glad because it's kind of one of those things where you, you know, you feel like you're their friend. You know, you've kind of grown up with them in some ways. You know, I remember the first, you know, Bill Simmons column I read was probably when I was in college, maybe. So, you know, it's been, you know, a journey, you know, just kind of watching him do his thing and to see him have a talk show on HBO. What's the subject cool. material of it? So it's sports and pop culture, his two basic, you so know, not interests. News. No, not really news. Okay, good. Because with HBO, I'm like, I already watched last week tonight and I watch yeah. every now and then I'll watch real time. But uh, I, I couldn't pick up another, you know, uh, weekly it's very different and it's, it's okay. also very it's heavily interviewed based too. a good half of the show is an interview very cool i i'd recommend checking out an episode or two it's not like it's one of those shows where you have to start at the beginning it's a talk show you know so you can kind of pick up at any place and and just kind of see what he's up to who he's talking to and what he's talking about but i think he has a really great sense of humor and he understands who he is uh and i think that's really valuable in kind of the format that he's doing i would also recommend his podcast uh if you haven't checked it out uh, the Bill Simmons podcast. The new podcast network is um, Ringer, uh, which is his new website since he left ESPN. When he was on ESPN, he did Grantland. I don't know if you remember, like Grantland, oh, the Grantland website, Grantland hit, podcast. Yeah, Bill, okay, yeah. So, um, so now he's doing Ringer is the name of his new projects, and in fact, they do Ringer does actually he's a funny guy. He is a funny guy. He his um, I guess network you would call it. They do the after show for Game of Thrones. As well, our guys from his kind of podcast universe, they do a podcast in, for The Ringer as well that I really enjoy. So, um, so yeah, I thought he's I'd who Jim that. Rome wanted to be. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, I think that's a, <laughs> that is a good. Way that's to say a fair it. point. And for, for me personally, I, I downgraded my internet when I moved last year, and I got rid of ESPN. I ended up saving like eighty dollars a month because I was able to switch the whole package over. So without that sort of daily dose of sports news, I, I think Bill has a really good. Um, it's been a good fix for me in the, in the absence of a full ESPN cable channel. Watching him once a week has been a good antidote to that. So, oh, he did he create the thirty for thirty? Yeah, series? yeah, thirty for thirty was his brainchild as well. Well, thirty for thirty is one of the greatest series ever. Yeah, no, they did a great job with that stuff. Man, if you hey, you want to cry? Why don't you just go watch a few of those thirty for thirty <laughs> dramas? I'm feeling in the mood to cry tonight. Yeah, what should I do? Watch some thirty cry for thirty sports. Uh, so let's go cry about some sports. 
Well, I thought it might be interesting to finish uh, the show. I guess not finish. I guess we've got uh, Buried Treasure coming up as sure. well. But well, I really less want, talking point. Yeah, I really wanted to get into talking about how we give up on shows, and I wanted to start that off with a conversation about the season premiere of Walking Dead. It's all over the place. If you don't know what's going on, basically the season finale last year was all our favorite characters in a semicircle faced with a new bad guy who had a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. Lucille. Lucille is the name of his bat, and he's about to beat to death one of our favorite characters on the show. Yeah. And uh, so we'll we'll try to avoid spoilers as far as who dies, all that kind of stuff. But can we just say one of the most gruesome things ever to be shown on television? I put down on Twitter, and it was actually my most uh, retweeted and mentioned tweet I've ever had in my life. I said this is going to go down as the most traumatic episode of a show of all time. In your reaction video, I should say, to watching it, you film yourself, a lot of your YouTube channel's reaction videos, and so Mm -hmm. your reaction video to this moment in this show, I think, is already at around 60,000 views. It's a two-part video. One of them has 60,000. The other has 45,000. So so it's obviously something a lot of of people are interested in. and it is for me. I, let me start by saying this: I actually haven't watched it. Oh, so I did not even watch the show. Are you show. caught up on the Walking Dead? I am caught up to the end of last season. Okay, and I was looking forward to the season premiere. And then, as news started to trickle out about people's responses to this, I started to think more and more about why I watch this show and whether or not I'm enjoying it, quote unquote. And I realized, to my own surprise, actually, I'm not actually enjoying watching this show. And so it was oh, one. Of, no. It was one of those things where I was like, "Well, then, why would I put myself through it?" And I think a lot of the answer is that it's obviously high on the pop culture consciousness. And so, to be part of those conversations, those kind of things, is one of the reasons I might be. Um, but I don't know. So I wanted to kind of talk about if you've ever had those kind of experiences with shows. Uh, your thoughts on? I guess we could start with. Andrew, your thoughts on the show, on the you know that episode, what happened? Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw your reaction; it tore you apart. Oh, gosh. I mean, you, it looked like you were in pain, pretty much. Have you ever watched a show where, and I think Game of Thrones is probably the other main example where something will happen in the show, and it could be traumatic, for example, mm-hmm. like this, and it can stick with you for days, like it just ruins your week, pretty much, because mm-hmm. like of how traumatizing how shocking how depressing something is that's what this episode was for me and moving forward um there was before lucille i'll just say that the bat there was Mm -hmm. before lucille the seven seasons leading up to it or the six seasons i should say and then there's going to be after lucille this is going to totally totally change it's a demarcation in the show yeah, yeah this is this was if if you look at the series as a whole i guarantee you this is going to go down as the climax of the show and then it's going to change everything how we watch the show how we think about the characters everything so let me ask you this did you enjoy it <sighs> yeah i mean <laughs> no did i enjoy it no because it was so depressing was it one of the greatest episodes in television history yes so I don't enjoy being in that kind of torment. What do you? So what do you think? What is the reason for you then to continue to watch this story if it's not enjoyable in a you know? No, like the a story watching... is this episode wasn't enjoyable. I right. should say that. Okay. Because 
I love these characters. The acting in the show, Andrew Lincoln is one of the greatest actors of all time. Just in the fact he's never been nominated for anything, but that's a story in itself. Another one of our uh, British actors who sounds Carl. more American than we do. Yeah. <laughs> but um, to me, this show or these characters aren't just characters because for six years I've grown up watching these people. To me, they're kind of family. Because that makes it worse. I know. That's why it was so traumatizing to watch. Yeah. And man. All right. Let me state this and then we'll kind of move move towards, you know, the direction of of, you know, uh, when you decide to not watch a show. I think for me, it comes down to what am I getting out of this experience short term and long term? Right. Mm -hmm. So with something like The Walking Dead, uh, I thought I was getting story and possibly something, you know, uh, redemptive. As it continued. And I realized I've been waiting season after season for the redemption of this world. Like, what is going to happen in this world that's going to make me go, okay, this is why they're persevering. This is why they had to make the difficult choices. Uh, This is why they're the good guys and other people are the bad guys. And this show has become, in my mind, season after season, so uh, nihilistic that it's almost as if it wants to play in a universe that doesn't give me any of that satisfaction long term. Which, if that's what a show wants to do, is fine. I just, that takes away that reason for me to watch the show, right? Yeah. So now I don't have looking forward to, you know, the the eventual redemption. Which, by the way, I know people say about Game of Thrones that it doesn't have redemption. I still think Game of Thrones is going to end with some sort of redemption for someone in some way. I would not have agreed with you had this last season of Game of Thrones not ended with those three episodes. That right. Did. So, and that's why I, that's why I watch one of the reasons I would watch something like this. Another reason would be that it brings me joy that it, you know, it's actually fun to watch. You know, it's entertaining. I've never felt that about the walking dead. I know some people get into zombie kills. Like they're like, yeah, you know, that's cool. Like that has never been it for me. Okay. I'd like to talk on that for just a yeah, little go ahead. So for me, uh, walking dead is a show about humanity that happens to take place in a zombie world. For me, I don't even watch for the zombies because they're just there for me. The real thing is finding out who you really are. Because you watch these people, what they did before uh, the zombie apocalypse, and then who they truly become is, you know, realize like whenever something traumatic happens, who you become, and just the transformation of not only specific people, but humanity as well, how tribalistic and how brutal humanity will become whenever pushed to the limits and to see what people turn into is fascinating and horrifying at the same yeah the time. zombies aren't the villains in this the not people are the villains yeah. yeah absolutely there's been so many people who said that the walking dead is not referring to the zombies it's referring to the survivors but are we given anyone in this show to look up to to root for to cheer for to we're, we're supposed to look at the group as a whole because i thought so too but it doesn't feel like that anymore like it well, after this last episode, you yeah, you realize, <laughs> oh, so they're not as horrible as we thought they were. There's people out there who are way worse. So, yeah, The Walking Dead, it's because who you were as a person before this is dead. And who you are now right. is the shell of no, that I person. No, I get that. So I get you're, that. It's a metaphor, but yeah. So I, I found in making that decision that it was really interesting to come to that tipping point. I will say I have a real... Um, 
it takes a lot to stretch me to that tipping point. I stick with shows long after I, you know, don't necessarily enjoy them. So are you 100% done with Yeah, Walking I'm done. Dead? I'm done. That's I'm so out. so unfortunate. Why is that unfortunate? Because I think that it's such It a would be good unfortunate show. if I were you, but I'm me. Yeah, that's... So for me, I'm good. That's so unfortunate because I need somebody <laughs> to talk to the show about. He, he okay. has a point. He, he isn't you. <laughs> so, okay, uh, John, you ha- did you ever watch this show? I've never seen a single minute of The Walking Dead, and I, and I, to be fair, do not really have any interest. And after what Aaron's told me, I feel like, yeah, I probably made the right call. Okay. Maybe one of these days I, I will check out a couple episodes to see if I like it, but I, I don't think it's the type of thing that uh, is really good to, you know, I don't know. The other thing that did it for me, the other thing that did it for me, this is the other thing that put me over the edge, was the spinoff, Fear of the Walking Dead. Oh, it's so bad. It, it's not a great show, and it made me realize that the that there really isn't anything at the core of this universe that I that I want to participate in that I want to continue to learn about and so it, it allowed me to do that so I, I got to thinking about why we make those decisions in other times where I have given up on a show before it ended which is actually a pretty rare case for me and so I wondered and John since you know you don't watch The Walking Dead so you've been kind of you know silent during this part I wondered if you wanted to start us off what's a show that you have been into but eventually had to give up on even before it you know, kind of ended its run? And why, why did that happen for you? I, I have a list, as I do for everything, of every show I've ever seen. And there's not a lot of – there's like 190 shows on the list. But there's not many of them that I gave up before the show ended or was canceled. And the long-running joke in my house for a while – has been that I'm cursed, and every show I try to pick up and watch <laughs> gets canceled on me. Last year, it was Limitless, Minority Report, The Grinder, The Muppets, and Wicked City. They all looked good. I watched the first, like, five episodes each, most of them all the way through, and they all got canceled on me. So it was tough for me to give anything an emotional investment and then have it get pulled out from under me. So for me to do the opposite, I just haven't done that many times. Last year's Quantico on ABC... It had a, as most shows do when they don't know if they're going to get picked up or not, had a sort of climax at episode 13. And then they sort of restacked the deck and tried to reset the consequences of the universe. And it's like, we almost finished off the overarching uh, threat at episode 13, but now we have to sort of drag it out and stretch it to another nine episodes. And that's where Quantico kind of lost me. I have the last six episodes on my DVR and they've been there for months I maybe will eventually watch because I invested in the first 15. But by and large, like if a show is at all half decent, I'll at least see it through to the end. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with looking. you. And there's only a few where maybe, I don't know, it depends. Like there's a tipping point. Once I get to like 10 episodes, I'm it. I'm all the way committed. But getting to that first 10, I think is a little rarer where I will drop a show and if that happens, it's usually early. Last year, I think I even came on this podcast and, and mentioned to you and Danae that I tried watching Blind Spot, and I gave that I think three or four episodes, and I was like, you know what, I'm done. This show is not going to get any better. And another one that I wrote down for this conversation was uh, a police procedural called Crossing Lines that came out a couple years ago, and I was really attracted to the cast more so than the premise. It had Donald Sutherland and William Fickner in it. And I thought it was going to be a really cool premise is a European sort of police procedural where they go across country lines from Italy to England to France, solving these international crimes. And ultimately, all of the intrigue of that premise just never mattered. Just one scene, they're in France. The very next scene, they're in Venice. And it's like it, 
it, if it doesn't have any bearing on the plot, the show could take place anywhere. And I think I gave that like nine or ten episodes and I gave up. And it ended up getting pulled from American television anyway. So if I wanted to keep watching it, I'd have to go out of my way and find it elsewhere. So, uh, But that's it. Like I looked at this entire list of every show I've ever seen and like that was three shows I could come up with. I, I'm I so with you. It's a rare occurrence for me. What about you, Andrew? Do you give up on shows a lot? Do you quit watching them after you've watched a little bit? So my rule is pretty much like – Four, sh- four episodes into the first season, if I like it, then it doesn't matter if the show gets bad or You'll not. You'll watch it all the I way to the end. I have to watch it all the We're way We're all through. the same way. That's so interesting. Yeah. My yeah. wife is the exact opposite. My wife routinely will just be like, I'm out. She just, yeah. like, a, like a blackjack dealer, will just tap her hands, put her, put her arms up. And, and like, we'll be like a good like three seasons into a show on like the 12th episode on the third season. She's like, this is it. I'm done. And I'm like, really? This is where you call the line. And... <laughs> And and recently that show in particular has been the blacklist. Where after four and a half seasons, she's like, you know what, the writing's not good. It's not going anywhere. I don't like it anymore. And she, I think she's pretty much decided to stop watching it. So I'm on my own with that one. No, we'll... and and I have to be because I won't give it up. I'll watch that <laughs> until it's gone. I even if it gets really awful, I'll stick with it. I can and go. My, I can go on show case. hiatus. <laughs> like the blacklist is a good example. I've seen two seasons of it, and I haven't started the third season yet because. All the oceans, but yeah, I'm gonna finish it. Well, it just you, may not be, you know, when the show comes out. I'm still in on the blacklist as well. It's one I still watch. Uh, Do you like it as much though? I don't like it as much, but I still like it. Yeah. There are some. Yeah. James Spader's just too good. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's too good. James, he's great. There are some shows though that I'm still watching that I don't even really like, but I'm just still watching. Um, one is one you mentioned, Blind Spot. I'm still watching Blind Spot. I really don't know why. Uh, I think just because <laughs> I've invested already in it, and I, you know, uh, and the same with Scorpion. That's another one that started a couple years ago. That Scorp- I don't, I don't even know why you started with that because I saw the trailer <laughs> and I said this looks like the dumbest show I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. Uh, there's something about that group. I mean, the, they're just the trailer fun. for the show. The opening trailer, the teaser that came out the summer before it premiered, was Nerds. a guy using a cell phone to hack into a Dodge Viper to land an airplane on. It's yeah, like, what? How, how cool no, is that? You, none, you, <laughs> none, of these, none of these tools can do what you're asking it to. None of them. <laughs> a plane cannot land on a car. A car cannot be hot-wired from a phone. And that phone certainly can't do any of the things you want it to. But it's all based and on a from, true story. What? No, <laughs> I don't believe you. I was like, I don't believe you. What's going no, on? No, it actually is based on a true story, but the actual episodes are not based on true events, but it's based on a true person's life. Uh, uh, so uh, in his very memoirs. loosely based. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyhow, so I have those kind of shows where I'm like, okay, I think for me, I very rarely give up on something just because it's poor quality i feel like i've wasted my time right all the episodes before like i could have been doing something else so here's something i did give up on last season i didn't watch last season and i decided i was out gotham so i watched the first couple seasons of gotham and then i was just like "Ah, this is not going anywhere that i'm enjoying i knew gotham was bad from the first so i'm out you know yeah um and i so i'm trying to figure out what it is why i will drop gotham but i haven't dropped scorpion and it's just, it's kind of one of those interesting conundrums in my brain. And I'm just thinking, I think I need to be less of a completist. I think there's something in me that wants the whole collection. Does that make sense? Yes. So no, I, I completely agree. We were just talking about video games on Twitter the other day, Aaron. And that was one of those things that bugs me. Like, I got 
80% of the way through Super Mario Galaxy but never finished it. And that was like nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And it still bugs the crap out of me that I never <laughs> actually got to the final boss right. and finished that game. And I'm kind of the same way with TV shows. If I don't actually see the finale, I feel like I invested all that time and never actually saw it through. Yeah. Here's, yeah. here's another thing. I am terrified of spoilers. So it doesn't matter if it's a show that I'm just kind of eh on. If there's something that could be spoiled out there, I'm terrified that it's going to be ruined for me. Because, like, what if the show gets good and I stop watching it? And then I'm like, oh, if I were to go back and watch, I would have, you know, been tainted on this iconic moment in the show. So I'm afraid of spoilers. I totally get it. Yeah, I. so I, I think for me, uh, I think I'm going to loosen up on my need to be a completist. I think if I can find that button in me, then I'll be able to drop things more. I actually really envy your wife, John. You know, I envy the ability just to I, be it's, like... It's an ability, like, I, it's an emotional disconnect I do not have the... I don't have. Yeah. When she, when she says stuff with me, it's not that I'm, like, offended at her decision, because part of me is like, yeah, you're probably right. This show probably isn't worth investing that hour every week. And for her, her time is more valuable because she doesn't dick around on YouTube for a living. She has a real nine to five. <laughs> so when she gets home, she wants to invest her time in something that's meaningful and something that's actually, like you said, gives you joy or has some right. pathos that you're worth ingesting. And But for me, it's like – it's not that I disagree with her choice. It's like I do not have the actual like emotional ability to disconnect and, and hit that button like yeah. you said. And it's – and it is – I don't know. Maybe someday I'll get there and I'll mature to a point where – I can just switch off and be like, I'm not going to watch any more of Timeless because it's a bad show. <laughs> but I still will. I know this season I'll watch every episode until it gets canceled. Oh, no. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. But I think that is it. I think I, if, I can, if I can find that switch, then, you know, immediately, you know, Blindspot's gone and Scorpion's gone. And, you know, and maybe, maybe this has been a nice little... Uh, you know, opportunity to publicly, you know, put that out there. Yeah, yeah, kind of a what is it, an intervention? You we're know, some all, sort of podcast we're intervention. All addicts that need to go into remission <laughs> right now. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Now, on the flip side, real quick before we go to, uh, I think, close out the show. Yeah. Treasure, Are there any yeah. examples where you did the opposite, where you left a show or you didn't continue with one that you later regretted? For me, it's Fringe. I watched one season of that and decided. That was enough for me, and I never picked it up when it came back. And from what I've read, it turns out that the show got so much better. It really did. Season two through five, and I never – and that for me is like, ah, I kind of wish I kept going with it because now if I want to revisit it, I really have to rewatch everything I already saw. Isn't that the one but, that has uh, the J.J. Abrams Mighty Ducks kid movie? Yes. Like the kid from it? the Mighty Ducks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, yeah, yeah. Josh, uh, Josh Jackson. Yeah. I just yeah, call him Mighty Ducks it. kid. Let's move on to Buried Treasure. What's one thing in the area of pop culture that you want to let people know about? Uh, Andrew, why don't you start us off? So I need to preface this by saying I know the difference between a documentary and a mockumentary. Okay. Documentaries are real. Mockumentaries are fake to look real. I saw a documentary the other day. One of the most fascinating I've ever seen in a very long time. It's called Tickled. Yeah. Have you seen it? I, I have it in my screener pile. Okay, so it's a documentary about... Tickled. This guy, he's a uh, he's a uh, a news reporter from New Zealand. He's or an investigative journalist, I should say. Mm-hmm. And he finds and he's what he does is he goes around and he tries to find the weird side of life. And he comes across this video online about competitive endurance tickling. Mm-hmm. And he thinks That's it's, bizarre. And he's like, this I got to do a story on this. So he t- he sends a message to the people. He's like, hi, um, 
I think this is really fascinating. I think it makes for a really good news article. Um, would you mind doing a uh, a video on this? And then they send him back a video or a a message saying, "We don't uh, deal with homosexual uh, uh, journalists. Why don't you just stay?" And they start sending him all these really evil racial slurs, uh, wow. homosexual or like uh, homophobic slurs, and he's like, "What's going on here?" And and you get into this like you find out there's a lot of money behind this that maybe there's this dark underbelly like a seedy side of like why people side of are in tickling you're blowing and, yeah. my mind right now and <laughs> the entire time you're watching this documentary you're like this isn't real there's no way this can be real and it gets to this whole weird catfishing thing and you're like what is going on and by the end of it you know it sounds like it's really funny it gets dark and horrifying by the end wow. of this thing you're like, so it's, when he starts to peel away at the scab that has been brought up to him, he mm-hmm. sees that there actually is something yeah. weird underneath, yeah, as like, opposed to like, oh, that's all you know, conspiracy exactly. nonsense. Oh, interesting. I cannot recommend enough. I haven't seen too many documentaries this year. So far, this is number one. For that's me. great. I have I have a huge pile of docs that I'm supposed to watch because uh, our association actually separated documentaries into their own award show. And, oh, the Critics' Choice? Yeah, so okay. there's now the Critics' Choice that's TV and movies, and then there's a Critics' Choice Documentary Awards. And uh, and so the, all those screeners have come, so Tickled is among many that I'm, you know... You gotta check it out. <laughs> for the for the sole purpose that, you know, that there's a whole bunch of documentaries out there that are like, we need world change, and, you know, they have this, you know, very powerful message. This has got to be the most unique documentary I've ever seen in my life. That's interesting. Yeah. What about you, John? Fascinating. I'll go with a website, and I don't want to talk politics, but I will only say that Nate Silver's 538.com has basically been my only sort of beacon of hope and my only respite through this awful election season we've been stuck in for the last, what, three years? <laughs> it's been uh, a while, If you've man. never been to it, uh, I, I appreciate the website just as like a data nerd, like the, the Yeah, graphs, he's incredible. The polls, the images, and the color, and just the way – that he organizes and then displays the data for for even just like the local elections, the Senate races, the presidential thing. Just the way that all the data is collected and displayed is really fascinating to look at. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. And I've actually ended up just setting this as my homepage. So every day I log in, I can sort of see how the race is going because I, I hate it. I hate that I'm like addicted and, <laughs> uh, and, and hooked on all of the political news. But It's reality I think, TV. I, 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 at heart, I really am a political junkie. I love just the politics of this country, even when they're nasty and messy like this year's election. So every day I've been checking 538. The blog posts he writes are really well written and have some really cool insight. And just watching the little lines and the graphs and the electoral map change from red to blue and back and forth has been has been nice. Over the past couple months, it's been like, all right, I don't need to listen to the noise. I can just look at this, and this is the only thing that matters Let's see how his prediction shakes out in, you know, whatever it is, 11 more days. Yeah, he's really, he's really. Nate Silver, is that Yeah, Nate Silver, 538 is uh, the website and spelled out, right? I'm not sure exactly what the URL is, but it's. It's spelled out 538.com, which is the uh, number of electoral votes in our system. And it is great stuff. I'm totally with you. They are actually doing uh, a daily podcast for the last two weeks of the election every day. They're talking for about twenty to thirty minutes of kind of what the let yesterday wow, we're was. We're two and, weeks away from election day. Yeah, right? we're less than two weeks now. It's a week from Tuesday. Can't wow. come soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hear. Okay, not to sound bitter or anything, but 
this whole election process is not going to end on election day. We're going to have oh, to hear no. about it, oh, it will. for a very long time afterwards, regardless oh, of who oh, wins. Man. Oh, thanks. Um, now it's up to me to bring the podcast back up uh, to an encouraging <laughs> note uh, to end with. Uh, this is actually a new TV show I'm watching um, with my youngest son. Uh, that I wanted to throw out there. And I was going to talk about it in the TV, but I thought I'd save it for my buried treasure. It's from the same people who did Phineas and Ferb, which is one of my favorite uh, animated TV shows. It's called Milo Murphy's Law. And it's the main character is voiced by Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, I'm uh, sold. As, as is the theme song done by him. And it's about a kid who's growing up and everything wrong happens to him. His name is Milo Murphy, and that's why it's called Milo Murphy's, Murphy's Law. Law. And so it's about him and his friends and how they cope with the fact that everything goes wrong in his life. And he keeps, it's kind of how I talked about Tim Meadows in The Good Place, or not The Good, not the good Place, uh, Son of Zorn. Son of Zorn. You yeah. know, uh, how he is, you know, just kind of nonplussed. That's Milo Murphy in this world. The rubber glue mentality. Yeah, yeah. Everything is going wrong and he keeps the sunny disposition and it's... I, it's really funny. It's interesting. And if you ever loved Phineas and Ferb, it's kind of that same animated sensibility. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Uh, like I said, I watch it with my youngest, and we have a good time with it. So, And it's that same kind of – I think it's on um, – oh, what is the Disney – X Disney XD maybe or something like that? Uh, and it kind of follows that same two 15-minute episodes a week kind of thing. So uh, Milo Murphy's Law would be my my buried treasure to check out. I've been a Weird Al fan since I was a little kid, so you got me interested. It's so cool, yeah. He he voices Milo Murphy, so. Do you know what network it's on? Yeah, Disney, Disney XD, I think, okay. is what network it's on. But you can find it online. I'm assuming it's family-friendly since a, you said you're youngest, so. Yeah. Okay. As As a quick aside, I just think it's really neat that we live in an age where pop culture is no longer digested from the network. Like, all of us today mentioned a bunch of shows, and we had to think twice about where it it actually came from right because at this point everything everything is so sort of saturated and omnipresent we can just sort of get it where we want and we don't even think about it anymore and i love that yeah it's really cool it's it's like being at the food court at the mall you know you're not even sure it what is. restaurant it's, it's coming at netflix hulu amazon <laughs> i think i we all picked a, a show from i think four or five different platforms today cable network the three different internet giants and yep i think it's pretty great good um smorgasbord of yeah fall tv i guarantee you the cw is going to turn into an internet giant in the next two <laughs> to three years why do you say that because are they're you moving facetious aw- or no they're they're moving away from network they're moving to online online only they're yeah. gonna like let go of their actual network affiliates kind yeah. of thing like uh you can watch every single show on uh on the cw now on their website and you just have to watch ads like you would on hulu and it's free right yeah, I think that's that's where it's heading. It becomes yeah. less and less important to actually have a terrestrial signal. So I think that, you know, CW is going to light the way for a whole bunch of other networks. So that's come, right. That's come, what you come to Sif Pop to hear. Yeah. News like that. <laughs> CW is going to be lighting the way for years to come. Thanks, Flash. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks to today's guru. It's John from Jogwheel. You got anything you uh, you want to plug, John? Anything going on that you want to send people to? I am uh, currently in the middle of my annual Hall- Halloween special of movie reviews. Last week, I reviewed five classic Dracula films. 
then later this weekend I'll be talking about five more modern day vampire um, adaptations and that's sort of a big undertaking for me last week's episode took around 50 to 60 hours to put together so check it out jogwheel.com especially if you want to hear my thoughts on films from 1922 John, one of the uh, the things that I have always appreciated about you and your channel is your production level. I love the effort you put into producing your shows. So, uh, big shout out to I'm you. Glad and let people know. <laughs> no, it's high quality. It could go, you could pop it on TV and nobody would know the difference. It is that high quality production. So, you're doing a great job. Uh, and I really, place, really encourage people to go check that out. Also, much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three bucks a month and comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more info at patreon.com slash studio DNA. Also, please rate and comment at your podcast player of preference, especially if you listen in iTunes. iTunes uses that information to promote the show, and it'd be very cool if you could leave us a comment. Anything else you want to say or ideas for the show, feel free to email us at feedback at sifpop.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.